Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is a regularly scheduled meeting of your Canton Zoning Board of Appeals. Tonight is January 26, 2023, and we are in the Sala meeting room on the second floor of Canton Town Hall. Uh, tonight we have our regular members sitting, Mr. J.R. McCourt to my right, Mr. Mike Corey to my left, our administrative assistant is Tamara Stock. My name is Greg Pando. Uh, tonight we have three scheduled hearings and one continuation to be discussed. So without further palaver, I will call the first hearing. I like that word, palaver. Kenneth Wirtz and Judy Kalaji, 1825 Washington Street. Is someone here on this case? Seeing none, I'll put that over to second call. Call the second item on the agenda is out of 340 Pine Street Realty Trust, George Pickering. <laughs> on petition of 340 Pine Street Realty Trust, George Pickering, trustee, site plan approval, special permit, and or variance if necessary are requested on the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws to construct an 18,750 square foot contractor's warehouse and office building in an industrial district located at 340 Pine Street, Canton, Mass, Map 56, Lot 2. A public hearing will be held on Thursday, January 26, 2023 at 6 p.m. in the Sala Meeting Room, second floor Memorial Hall, 801 Washington Street, Canton, Mass this being the time and place. I have in my possession an online application received by the Board of Appeals uh, on looks like December uh, 5th, 2022. And I also have a certified list of abutters prepared by the Canton Board of Assessors indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. Is uh, there anyone here uh, for this hearing? I know we have correspondence, uh, Tamara, regarding an extension because uh, they have filed with planning board and they haven't finished their uh, review. Oh, there's a conflict, here we go. I have an email from Christine Meany Meany from Site Design Professionals and Sharon. We have a conflict for your first meeting in February uh, January for the above project, can we please uh, continue the hearing until the second meeting in February the 23rd, Christine. So uh, since there is no one to present uh, the information um, and the fact that they also have to go to the Canton Planning Board for their peer review and comments, we're going to continue now that we've opened it, uh, the Pickering hearing two. Uh, the evening of February 23rd, and uh, we'll see all interested parties back then on the 23rd of February. This is going, actually going very well so far. Let's see if we can keep it up. There's a petition of Everything's Fine LLC. Aha, excellent. 
On petition of Everything's Fine LLC, special permit and or variance if necessary were requested under the applicable provisions of the Canton Zoning Bylaws to host up to eight major events, to have up to 1,500 guests each on the property in a limited industrial district located at 100 Royal Street, Canton, Mass., Map 68, Lot 2. Public hearing will be held on Thursday, January 26, 2023 at 6 p.m. in the Sala Meeting Room. Second floor, Memorial Hall, 801 Washington Street, Canton, Mass. This being the time and place, I have in my possession an application received by the Board of Appeals, December 28, 2022, and a certified list of bodders prepared by the Canton Board of Assessors, indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass General Laws, Chapter 48, have been so duly notified. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, we, 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 you were on a roll. We kind of ruined it by showing up. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, good evening. Brian Grossman, attorney with Bad H and Dewey on behalf of Everything's Fine LLC, also known as Trillium, which I know you know. Um, with me is Katie Stoddard, operations manager for Trillium. Um, I, you know, as, as read in the notice, and, and we've never known quite how to characterize the, the actual request for relief other than the board has made sure that when major events are going to happen, um, we come back and ask for relief. So we've characterized it either as under the original special permit as a, complying with the condition, or whether you think it's a temporary use, um, either way. I think it's just, it's, it's basically turned into an annual review. Mm -hmm. And as, as long as uh, we don't have a long list of uh, police reports and fire department and everything else of issues and problems or anything else that's come up during the year, then it's just a, another system of checks and balances. Yep. Um, and so, as you know, with the, with the change in the capacity to 750, um, anything 750 or guests are under just falls within the regular operations of the restaurant. Yep. Um, and so we do have the major events and um, as requested a while back, we've tried to package those all together um, so that you can hear them all at once. We know, um, you know, things may happen through the year and further discussions, particularly, you know, a tweak to a plan or, or um, that doesn't alleviate the need to coordinate each individual event as it comes up with police and fire and the building inspector um, and the board of selectmen. So the, the, the Trillium will continue to do that. Um, Trillium is proposing uh, a, a number of events over, six events over a few weekends. Um, the, the two that come up the, the fastest and the earliest is uh, the 10th anniversary on March 25th and uh, summer kickoff, which is May 20th and 21st. And then uh, Lagerfest follows with a proposal for July 10th, uh, June 10th and July 29th. Um, Oktoberfest, uh, about the same time every year. Is, uh, this year, it's, uh, the weekend is September 16th and 17th. That's the one event that, uh, that is proposed to be over, over 1,000 people. Everything else is proposed to be capped at 1,000. Um, Fall Fest is October 7th and 8th, which uh, is very similar to the event that was done this year. And Winter Holiday Market, again, a repeat uh, from what was done this year, would be December 2nd and 3rd in the weekend of the following weekend, which is December 9th and 10th. Uh, included in the packet is the, you know, the emergency operations plan or the operations plan, um, and that's been the operations plan you know, with, with tweaks as necessary. Um, that's governed the, the last few large events um, and has been worked on with uh, you know, police and fire, and they've seen that before. And obviously, you know, again, if something comes up during an event and police or fire or the building inspector or the town has a, as an issue and we need to address something, obviously that plan can be, can be tweaked. Um, but so far it uh, has served well and uh, certainly the, the, we think an appropriate basis for uh, managing the events. 
Uh, as far as the, the, the Oktoberfest, which is the largest event, um, as with the other large events that require parking greater than what uh, Trillium has on site, um, the use of the parking for, from Tufts next door um, is involved. They get permission for that. Um, and uh, with the 1,500 people being involved, uh, we would anticipate an agreement to use the, the structured parking over at Tufts as well to the extent necessary. Obviously, police details are always involved. Um, and then uh, Trillium for the larger event uh, for Oktoberfest would look to hire VPNE or another, um, another vendor that has experience that you know, managing large parking for large events to, to help manage traffic flow beyond um, what would be necessary, beyond even um, just the, the police detail. I think last year's uh, went very, very smoothly, actually, and, uh, and um, it was quite well attended. Um, so basically, we're looking just for the special permit uh, is all you really need for those eight enumerated events. Mm -hmm. And um, Mr. McCourt. Uh, yeah, this is a, seems to be a repeat. A couple, yeah. you added a couple of events though. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about, and I'd like you to check on per event, is we have a new police chief to make sure the staffing meets her requirements. Uh, so that's, I'd like to add on that, because we have a new chief. She's uh, very good, but we want to make sure she's happy with the staffing, same with the fire, but you'll get prior fire and police approval anyhow. Correct. So well, uh, other than that, I have nothing fire else. Fire chief as well. Yep. So. yep, that's what I said. New, yeah, new chief too. So yep. got a whole new staff on that end. <laughs> and, and Katie will be coordinating those meetings to make sure yeah. that those yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Corey. I'm fine with the application. I think Mr. McCourt's uh, additional comment is, uh, is great. It, it, Input from the uh, the new powers that be is important, uh, but with that, I think your your events are terrific. So. Thank you. Is there anyone in the hall that wishes to comment with respect to this petition? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Joy, come on to three oh nine Davenport Avenue. I have a few questions and uh, a statement. I want to try to clear up a point about the noise regulations. After reading the board's decision of last May uh, on major events, I can't tell whether the environmental standards of section six of the bylaw, specifically the noise subsection, are waived or not. The May application requested this as does the current one. But the decision seems to make no reference to it. Can you tell me when the board last discussed and voted on waivers of standards? Would this be May 2019? Um, I don't recollect. I remember we uh, had discussions with respect to uh, ambient noise above the uh, background level right. several times during these hearings. When a special permit application seeks significant use changes in outdoor assembly and entertainment, and this is in some cases 50% more, then noise impacts are potentially higher. The bylaws speaks eloquently about the need to preserve a natural and aesthetic environment. Good old Greek word, aesthetics. Uh, isn't it true that while the board has the power to waive the means of accomplishing this, it cannot waive the objective, at least not with a special permit. How do I understand why these are continually being dropped and not even referenced or debated? Point taken. 
Okay. On June 29, 2022, more than three years after the original zoning hearing on Trillium, several neighbors, including me, were indoors and heard a very high volume loudspeaker on the company's site. I'm speaking about our homes at Blue Hill Commons. This was in the daytime. This was late morning, early afternoon. I walked over to inquire about it and was told Trillium was hosting an outing for workers of a Natick tech company, presumably a minor event. Uh, Trillium's day manager said he had already given instructions to lower the sound. That was helpful. But Trillium has been called a good neighbor many times at hearings before this board. As far as I know, no residents, including me, have accused it of being discourteous, and they weren't on this occasion. But being a good neighbor means more than responding to complaints. It means taking the steps needed to avoid complaints. And this was so loud that we were hearing that indoors without doors and windows open and people were alarmed, frankly, and we're not panicky, I don't think. I oppose these further increases in outdoor assembly and entertainment less than 400 feet from the residential lot line because I don't think the sound of 1,000 to 1,500 people at six events over 13 days plus food and beverage service, local vendors, amusements, RV and boat shows can be contained on this property. It's demonstrated this way. I mean, we, there was a loudspeaker on this property that I investigated personally and went there and asked about it, viewed it, and talked to the, the people who were responsible for it. And we're now saying that we're going to approve this as a matter of pro forma action year after year with no recourse, essentially, no standard. That's the thing that, that bogs me, bothers me, not the honor of this board or this company. It is the fact that it's one-sided process at this point that's bothering me most. <clears throat> Special permits should be given to property owners who agree to abide by the rules governing a particular zone and its residential boundaries. I know the bylaw gives this board leeway to waive environmental standards, but Trillium has not made a clear case for either a waiver or for a variance based on hardship, and noise waivers could be interpreted and have been interpreted in some towns. This town has always been professional to me. I've been here for decades, so I, I don't want to be misunderstood on this point. But it could be interpreted that this special permit is now permission to make any level of sound during designated hours. Now, you have said that you would quickly modify if there was an egregious and continued problem. And I believe you. I believe all the members of this board. And I believe that Trillium would respond to it. But what I am saying is it ought to be a matter of the law. It ought to be in the ruling. And we're at the point now where we're not even addressing whether there should be a standard. If you want to substitute another standard, that's something else. But I'm not a lawyer, but as a citizen, I can't understand how this can be that lopsided when we have, whether it was inadvertent or not, I'm sure it was inadvertent, an error with this loudspeaker, but it happened. So where's the recourse? And we, uh, we want to be in a position where we are not told by owners, any owners, generic owners, or the, the enforcement officials at any level that there's, there's nothing we can do. They're in a business zone. They're in a light industrial zone. They have a permit. And that's not my reading of the law. And I don't think the board has made it a clear case to waive it entirely. 
Uh, last paragraph. You have heard me say that I support the town's effort, efforts to build the tax base responsibly, but good zoning cannot be an unceasing adversarial process, or shouldn't be. Rules should be in place to benefit all parties. If its activities are truly protective of the environment, and that's what we're talking about, performance standards adds up to environmental standards, then Trillium should stop asking for waivers of verifiable noise limits. If we don't understand or we can't comply with the ones that are in the law, then let's have to talk about something else. In the meantime, I believe it is the duty of this board to say no. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, basically, um, we're looking at uh, noise standards, the town of Canton and performance standards for background uh, and ambient noise. Uh, those are further modified by the town of Canton regulations uh, from the hours of 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., which uh, protect homeowners while they're sleeping at night. Now, during the normal course of events uh, of these operations, there are 13 and uh, not characterized as 13 day in a row span, uh, there are events spaced out over the entire year. So um, I've been up there myself. Uh, we've, we did, uh, was over the summer, this past summer, and I noticed there was one instance where there was a, they were having a field day for some company, and it was a very exuberant young lady with a, uh, with a um, bullhorn um, that uh, tends to get quite loud. But you know what? Not any louder than kids camp at the Galvin Middle School and the insanity that goes on there for a week in July. So that, um, I mean, basically that uh, the board weighs the, the overall effects and, and care for the neighbors, um, evening hours and quiet, uh, that type of, of piece. But, but uh, for the benefit of the, of the community in general, for, for, for what is considered reasonable and proper for 13 dates, uh, actually just eight dates, over the course of the year, the, the board has, um, uh, has indicated in the past that uh, this is reasonable. We haven't gone into having to give waivers for the, for the um, uh, performance standards, which are, as I said, further covered by the hours of operation of, uh, of uh, sleep on evening time. So, but I appreciate your comments. Uh, as always, like to see you every year. You come in and uh, uh, you make very eloquent, uh, uh, eloquent case. But uh, if I could ask one more question, I don't usually suggest that I like to hear myself talk. You mentioned the noise bylaw. Now, the noise bylaw seems to almost create blanket exemptions for business. I don't even know what the, the, the provision that says anyone with a permit from the town board is not subject to. Well, the, the permit for the, uh, the two different bylaws, there's a zoning bylaw, performance standards, and the municipal bylaws. And the municipal bylaws um, uh, trump the zoning bylaws with uh, specificities, and they further, they further uh, specify the hours. It's hours of operation. We don't want to have uh, uh, contractors working after 7 o'clock at night or before 7 in the morning, uh, people building homes, uh, causing undue um, uh, re uh, disruption of people's sleep and habits and enjoyment of the evening. So that, um, uh, that's basically what that's there for. But, uh, but I, I do understand your concern.
Yes, ma'am. we were talking about 500 to 1,000. Now we're talking about 1,500. Yep, that's right. Is there any limit to how many people you'll let in our neighborhood run around with liquor? Well, it certainly uh, depends uh, how many were in the uh, Life is Good festival across the street at the church. There's you remember that festival. At the, the, where hmm? the Life is Good festival. Excuse me? There's nobody who lives over near the church. Okay. Well, uh, the question but is we uh, have 50 the question families. is posed at that point. Uh, you're asking me a question and what what the limit is. Yeah. Right now, the limit is 1,500 because that's what the applicants have asked for, and that's what uh, the various boards and agencies in the town of Canton have found that was appropriate for that site for these events. And electronic microphones. Yep. Outdoors, that was considered acceptable yep. too? Yep. Anyone else would like to comment with respect to this application? Mr. Jim, Roger. Yes, sir. Um, based on the comments of uh, the abutters, um, I do understand the frustration. You have a condo complex next to a business that with an allowed use. I've been to Trillium a few times myself, very quiet, the times I've gone there, but there are events. They have big events to celebrate. The last time that we had a discussion like that, you were in here for a car show, I believe it was. There was a big noise on a car show on a Saturday or Sunday, Sunday morning. And that was addressed, so we said, we, let's not have things on a Sunday morning, what have you, on a Saturday, a Sunday, and Oktoberfest. In the last year, when we had these events, I didn't receive one complaint from anybody through this office, through our building department, as of a complaint for a use of sound or whatever. I, I didn't receive one. I mean, if I, and it's not my job, I, I'd go down there, but to go down there and police it every week or weekend or what have you. But overall, in the course of a year, I haven't received a lot of complaints about Trillium. My point uh, is that it can't be, why does it have to be Well, as well as you have a right to live in peace, they have a right to do business also. We've got to find a balance with that close proximity of that okay, thing, look, right? We're not going to have a discussion yeah, back So that's what forth. I was saying. And basically, we put in, you know, substitute to a modification if we came up with a situation that you're saying may, may not exist. So I think that going further, Mr. Chairman, is that we got to review it a little more closely. And if it becomes an issue, then we got to curtail it a little. That's all I'm saying as a board member is that overall for last year, we didn't, I personally didn't hear anything but positive reviews of Trillium. I didn't hear your side about blow horns or what have you, but that's what I'm saying. That's why we put that modification in. So if things get out of hand, that we can reel them in. Huh? To, yeah, we can change the, we can change the rules. But that's Gentlemen, yeah. I am not going to continue a conversation between the two of you. Thank you. And I don't want to hear this anymore. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Did you have further comments, That's Mr. McCourt? No. All set. Okay. Mr. Corey, do you have any comments? Uh, 
I am wondering, you know, there is, there is a one sentence section in the zoning code um, uh, concerning noise, uh, ambient noise levels. Uh, I don't have the, um, uh, the noise um, stat, uh, regulation in the municipal code and I'm questioning whether we have the authority to review or uh, this board has the authority to review or or address that or whether it should go to the select board. Municipal code is not reviewable by this board. Okay, yeah, so um, presumably there was, you know, if there's a, if there's a uh, sound level that exceeds 10 decibels above ambient noise and I don't, it, as I understood it, LDN, uh, which is the reference in 6.7.3 subsection two, uh, 65 LDN, which I believe stands for average uh, day-night uh, sound levels, but I'm not sure how it's measured. 65 for residential receptors and 75 for non-residential receptors. To the extent that was what that was done or exceeded at some point, um, I presume the, that it could be brought back to us. But I would suggest that perhaps another board um, should be addressing the sound. Well, I would, I would suggest to you that 75 decibels a non-residential uh, receptor is a really high level, yeah. just so that yeah. you understand that. Is that, okay, so 65 and 75, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. This is the problem with, uh, with this board. <laughs> I'm not sure what this measurement of, uh, of ambient sound is, 65 LDN. I had, assumed, I had understood previously that LDN means... Um, Where are you going with this, Mr. Corey? I don't think we're, we're the proper board to uh, consider sound issues if someone has a complaint. Well, if someone has a complaint, uh, the board does the, have the authority to, uh, to um, enforce the performance standards and uh, we could at, at a time if we wanted to um, over the course of an event, there are certainly spikes that are going to happen that'll be higher, lower, et cetera, yeah. but it's an average. Right. It's, it's an average over the course of an event, and uh, maybe what we do is ask the applicant at some point in time, uh, we'll pick an event and uh, do a, a um, ambient back and background, background noise report on, on one event for the year, so we'll have that on as a record. I don't know how you'd feel about that, Counselor. Actually, it wasn't even a major event. It was minor event. It, 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 it was, I don't think it was actually a minor event. It was just part of the, the operations of the. It was because it, it didn't even exceed the the seven fifty or the the five hundred. It was just a car club showed up. They did something. Trillium didn't expect, and Trillium immediately responded. Mm -hmm. I, I, similar to the, the the bullhorn. That wasn't a Trillium setup. That wasn't a Trillium employee that was doing that. That was someone from the comp associated with the company that was having the event. Um, Trillium received the complaint and immediately responded. So. I mean, what I'm hearing is we've had a couple, there have been a couple incidents, which happen. You know, Jason, you know, we have residences in close proximity to business, and Trillium has immediately responded to rectify the situation. Um, and so at this point, I would say something like you know, the, the monitoring may not be necessary. Like I said, we've had you know, a number of these large events at this point and you know, had almost no complaint. Um, you know, the, the, the two events you're talking about weren't even major events. Um, so well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest this. I'm not saying that this is something I'm going to have uh, Trillium uh, be responsible for, but 
what I'm going to do is I'll discuss with the Board of Health agent, and uh, we do have the personnel that uh, can look into that. And I think uh, possibly uh, with with staff at some point in time we may okay. we may do that just as a as an extra uh, checks and balances uh, to verify at some point. Okay. All right, Mr. Corey, anything further? No, nope. thank you. All right, I'd like to uh, ask for a motion on this, please, Mr. Court. Mr. Chairman, I make a motion. Uh, sorry, uh, on petition everything fine LLC, 100 Royal Street. I make a motion we issue a special permit to host eight major events with up to 1,500 guests on the property through 2003. The events being March 25th, May 20th, 21st, June 10th, July 29th, September 16th and 17th, October 7th and 8th, December 2nd and 3rd, and December 9th and 10th. I will put into record the conditions that set forth by Trillium in the security measures that are in the packet. And uh, I also would like to add that they uh, get building apartment approval and uh, input from the new police chief and fire chief on personnel staffing for these events. So moved. Motion has been made and seconded. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. Aye, aye unanimous. Counselor, if you would uh, care to prepare a, uh, a draft uh, special permit for our consideration, that would be greatly appreciated. Happy to. Thank you very much. Thank you. Second call is uh, the hearing on petition of Kenneth Wirtz and Julie Kalaji. Kevin Wirtz and Julie Kalaji. No one here. All right, uh, we're going to, um, I'm not going to open it. It's advertised for opening, but no one is here uh, either. Is anyone here? Oh, well, let me ask. Is anyone here with respect to to this uh, case. All right, I don't see anyone here uh, in, in the audience that uh, is here on this petition. The applicant is not here on this petition. So in that case, I'm just going to, uh, well, I should open it and continue it. That's probably the best thing to do because legally we are bound to open it today. So bear with me for a moment. A petition of Kenneth Wirtz. Judicology special permit and or variance if necessary requested on the applicable provisions of the Canton zoning bylaws to construct a deck to connect the pre-existing non-conforming main dwelling to the existing barn in a single residence B district located at 1825 Washington Street, Canton, Mass. Map 64, lot 96. A public hearing will be held on Thursday, January 26, 2023 at 6 p.m. in the Sala meeting room Second floor Memorial Hall, uh, 801 Washington Street, Canton, Mass. This being the time and place. I have in my possession an application received by the Board of Appeals on December 21st, 2022. I also have a certified list of abutters prepared by the Canton Board of Assessors indicating that all those entitled to notice under the applicable provisions of Mass, Ge uh, Mass General Laws Chapter 40A have been so duly notified. Uh, I will go on record that uh, the petitioner is not here to present this petition. Therefore, I'm going to continue this hearing until February 9th. That takes care of tonight's scheduled hearings. 
We have a continuation of Vertex Tower Assets, LLC, Canton Fish and Game Association, Inc., 25 Nasser Ahmad Road. Um, we've heard quite a bit on this. We've had a uh, presentation by the app attorney for the applicant. We've had presentation by counsel uh, representing the abutters. Um, we have a general understanding that uh, none of the abutters want the project. And that's where we stand. So what I'm gonna do in the interests of, of um, fairness and in the interests of this board, what I'd like to do is to ask the uh, attorney for the applicant to uh, make a brief presentation. I'll ask counsel uh, for the neighbors to respond and uh, at that point in time, I understand that uh, it, we will uh, take the information from both those uh, individuals. As part of the record, we will close the hearing at that point in time for public discussion, and uh, we will uh, deliberate this evening uh, to conclusion. Counselor. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Francis Parisi, an attorney representing the applicant Vertex Tower Assets, LLC. Um, I note that I've used a PowerPoint presentation throughout all of the process, and I didn't submit it into the record. So I'd like to submit it into the record. To be fair, I've added substantial things to it as we continue to get more and more stuff from a council representing the abutters. Uh, we feel compelled to respond to some of them. Uh, it's clear that although the abutters and Miss Matthews live in the town of Canton, the person that they've hired to uh, make spurious allegations is not from the town of Canton. So uh, we've added uh, several photographs and maps, the zoning map, um, um, things uh, showing existing. Uh, so I just, and I'm gonna kind of go through that as quickly as I can tonight. Unfortunately, I was having printer errors, so I printed out one copy for the file. That's fine, thank you. Uh, as much as we can. Uh, and I was hoping that I could display things up there still. Uh, and. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, is a gentleman from the cable TV here? Is it possible to display things on? We the do that. Projector. We were able to do it the last time. You know, not to put the pressure on, but your predecessor, yeah. yeah. your press predecessor, was able to do it. So. Yes. The projector's buzzing and making uh, blinking noises. It's oh. thinking. It's thinking. Oh, I'm coming. Perfect. You're vindicated. Um, as, as this board is aware, we are here tonight essentially seeking a use variance because we're putting a use in a non-permitted zone. Um, there's a question as we'll need a special permit. I looked through all of the decisions that the town had previously done for similar applications in similar zones, and they granted use variances, so that's why we applied. But the application says use variance and or special permit is necessary. We've had many public hearings. Um, we've um, uh, tried as much as possible to come uh, respond to the uh, 
the town's bylaw as much as possible. And I believe that we have, with the exception of the use variance that required, um, um, we've submitted a very extensive application package uh, with reports of various people. I have with me tonight uh, Steve Kelleher, who is the site acquisition specialist and the principal of Vertex Towers. Um, and I also have with me Martin Lavin, who works with C-Squared, who is the um, um, RF engineering consulting firm that prepared all the things. And just for the record, uh, humor me, based on allegations made, uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Kelleher, um, if you talk tonight, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Mr. Lavin, if you talk tonight, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Is everything that you provided for the record true and correct in the best of your knowledge? Yes, Mr. Kelleher? Yes. Uh, Mr. Lavin? Yes. Um, there were some allegations made in the, uh, the, the memos submitted by, and not by Ms. Matthews, but by co-counsel, I guess his name is, uh, um, in questioning their integrity. And I just, um, I, I found it uh, quite offensive, to be perfectly honest. Um, you should, uh, uh, if you want to be technical about it, you should ask uh, under the paints and, and uh, penalties uh, that, of that perjury. That is correct. Do you, do you, uh, are all the reports that you prepared under the pains and penalties of perjury, Mr. Kelleher yeah. uh, and Mr. Levin? Yes. Yeah. Um, we've submitted a lots of substantial um, additional information that has been compiled throughout the entire process, um, 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 mostly in response to engineering comments raised by the uh, Planning Board and the Planning Board's consulting engineers, both of whom have recommended favorably uh, uh, on the site plan review part of this application. Um, and then I just submitted today for the record this PowerPoint presentation. Um, most notably, we got a letter from Chief Robry. We've had several conversations with the fire chief indicating that the, um, the need for public safety, the better telecommunications, the chief has no issues and actually supports the project because we have volunteered to put uh, public safety antennas on this at no charge to the town. Similarly with Chief Rafferty, she didn't, she submitted an email, not a letter, but uh, anything that would enhance communication in town is a benefit. Uh, I'm trying to go as fast as I can. Um, it's clear to me, um, based on all the objections, all the memos uh, from multiple lawyers, all the statements that we've heard from Butters, that people are concerned with the health effects of these facilities. They say, no, we're not, but they're throwing the kitchen sink at it. The, the, really, the only um, thing that they've really said is that, um, you know, we don't like it near a residential zoning district because of the perceived health effects. Federal law is very clear. You cannot take into the health effects um, in making your decision. And I understand that the board is smart enough to say, we're not taking that into account. We're not taking that into uh, perception, but there's so much information in the record that the record is almost tainted in this regard. The abutters have spoken, they've hired experts who have spoken, they've offered um, um, affidavits and PowerPoints or reports, and, uh, um, um, and all we need to show is that the site, when constructed, will be compliant with applicable FCC regulations. As a re uh, we hired an independent um, health physicist who submitted a report into the record these facilities routinely come in well below applicable health standards, and more so in this particular case, because we've cited it so far from residential abutters, so far from residential properties, and in honor of both the setbacks that the town requires, and also more so because of the, the specific location that we've chosen. Um, um, and I'll, I'll, you know, um, there's been ample federal case law about this. The town of Milton uh, went through very extensive litigation up to the circuit court twice, spent 
an immense amount of money to see a tower get built. And one of the things in that case is that the people who were objecting in the town of Milton, and I'm not sure why, um, submitted so much data that the record was tainted by the amount of materials. It's clear that that's what the objectors were objecting to. And uh, you know, we live in a society where there are, as the butters had pointed out, already lots of facilities in town, existing towers, existing antenna facilities. Um, uh, there are ample uh, similar structures in residential zones in uh, Canton and the surrounding communities. Um, and uh, um, you know, the federal courts have said, you know, taking that into account, even if it's in the record, but you don't cite it in the, the decision, is, is, a, is a taint on the application. Um, um, uh, um, the bullets that I want to talk about that came in, and a lot of it was the memo that we just got yesterday um, um, that keeps regurgitating certain things. I think the board understands that you don't have the authority to adjudicate title issues. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on title, but we can if you want. There's, and in the record, there's ample evidence to show that there are no title issues, that the uh, Fish and Game Association has clear access to the property and clear um, um, ability to convey that access to Vertex. But the uh, Council for the Abutters continues to bring it up. And, uh, 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 but, and I just want to make sure um, we, um, we just put that to rest. If they want to raise that in land court, in Superior Court, that's their prerogative, but we're not here to talk about that tonight. Um, the zoning bylaw actually, you know, they, the, the uh, uh, memo from council um, criticized the fact that we're on a 12-acre parcel and it's undeveloped. And that's clearly what your zoning bylaw encourages. Even though it's in a residential zone, you know, it, it wants us to meet tower height setback. It wants us to be on lots with vegetative buffers. It wants us to be as least intrusive as possible. And we've got ample photographic evidence on the record to show that this is the least intrusive as possible. You can't see it from Nasser Ahmed Road. You can't see it from the residential neighborhood to the north. Yes, you can see it from the asphalt of the Shaw's parking lot, uh, but you know there was ample evidence to show that you cannot see it. So that there's no impact to abutters, uh, and we've clearly found a lot, not in a permitted zone, but it clearly meets the, the purpose and intent of the bylaw. And, um, um, you know, and this town has struggled with it before. You've heard these arguments from me and my predecessors. You've gotten reports from C Squared and other land use consultants um, to show that you know, um, the demand is there, the need to be closer to residences, to be as least impactful to residences as possible. And this board has already granted five different use variances for structures in residential properties uh, uh, based on the same arguments. Uh, 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 you know, there's ample evidence in the record there is a substantial gap in coverage. There's ample evidence in the record that there's no viable alternative. I'm going to supplement a little bit of that tonight because so many allegations have been made. Uh, and that, you know, we meet all the requirements, and I'm sure you read my memo, for a special permit for a variance under Mass Law um, and uh, under the zoning bylaw. Um, um, you know, I, I'm not going to dwell on title issues, but the one thing I want to say with respect to title issues is. Um, um, one of the arguments Mr. Berg made is that there is no right of way, that there is no easement from the fish and game property to the uh, to Nasser Ahmed Road. He also alleges that Nasser Ahmed Road is a private road, and it's clearly a public road in the town of Sharon. It, it's it's listed on the town's website. It's uh, it, it's maintained by the town of Sharon. It's a public road. 
Miss um, Matthews actually made the right statement. If we can't establish an easement, then we go look in the facts and circumstances. And we can go back 50 years and show you aerial photos of where that right of way was. So if the abutters want to allege that there is no right of way over the 30 foot wide easement to NASA Arab Road, then we go back to the original drawings and the original aerial photos, which would require the gun club or the Fishing Game Association to drive over their front lawns and their back lawns. And they might actually have a claim to move some of the houses that have already been built. And it's clear, it's clear that the intent when they granted the easement was to grant a right of way to the Fish and Game Association along that 30 foot wide easement that was approved by this town's planning board, that was approved by the town of Sharon's planning board. And uh, uh, there's clear access. But if the abutters want to continue to allege, I'm virtually certain that the gun club is gonna start driving over their front yards because that's what the facts and circumstances that Ms. Matthews wants to try to establish clearly support. Uh, so we're not going there, but we have ample aerial photos to show this going back decades. Um, 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 there's no evidence in the record that there's any impact on the residential abutters. Uh, uh, at the request of the planning board, we did a site visit. At the request of the planning board, we put up a balloon in the air. Uh, and I'll be honest, when we were standing on Nasser Ahmed Road, I couldn't see the balloon to the point where I thought that the balloon consultants hadn't shown up. And, uh, uh, and, and I apologize, and if the planning board members are here, they remember that. They said, where is it? And then we walked to the site, and it was as clear as day. You can clearly see it from the gun club property or the fish and game property. Um, you can see it from the back of the parking lot if you go all the way to the Shaw's front door. But there was ample photographs that show uh, that you can't see it. And it makes sense because of the topography. Um, the, the land behind Nasser Ahmed Road goes up and then goes back down. And we're behind it. And there are trees on the top of the hill. I'll also tell you that um, uh, when Mr. Kelleher was first involved in this project, um, we looked at the, um, um, the wetlands regulations, and we've been struggling. We've been working with the Fish and Game Association for years to find an appropriate location because the location that um, the Fish and Game Association and Mr. Kelleher wanted originally was closer to the residential abutters. It didn't have the same visual impact, and we moved it downhill at substantial expense to take advantage of the hill, to take advantage of the visual buffer by the, the vegetation, but which um, 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 required a very minor encroachment on the riverfront buffer. Not the wetlands buffer, we're well away from the wetlands, but there's a 200 foot riverfront buffer. But, um, buffer. And because of the moving of the site to pull it away from the residential neighbors, we are required to go to the Conservation Commission. Uh, and we are quite confident, we've had several discussions with the conservation agent, we have filed the notice of intent with the Conservation Commission, we're in front of them next week or the week after, and uh, our, our engineers are very experienced, our wetlands biologists are very experienced, and we're quite confident that we're going to do it. Uh, we're gonna be able to get through the Conservation Commission successfully, based on the um, premise that to go elsewhere would have more impact on the residential abutters. So we feel like we've been um, much more proactive in that regard. Um, there, there was a statement made in Mr. Berg's memo that um, this isn't compatible with the neighborhood. Um, and it was clear that Mr. Berg has not been to Canton and has not been to 
this particular site. Um, um, Canton is a very highly developed residential community. There's a lot of commercial activity in Canton. There's a lot of industrial activity in Canton. And every resident in Canton lives in close proximity to both commercial and residential. This particular lot um, is right off of Main Street near the intersection of uh, Route 27 and Washington Street. There's a very large commercial development a quarter mile away. Um, there's also um, the land in between the residential abutters and the, uh, um, um, the, the Fish and Game Association already has substantial utility structures. Uh, there's a very substantial power line easement that was there long before this development was, was, was subdivided. Um, we believe that we've picked the most appropriate location for this facility given the land use throughout all of the town of Canton because there's really not any um, large undeveloped parcels that are available to, uh, for this type of facility. And if they are, they're either wet or conservation land. Uh, uh, it's just clearly we've, we've picked the, not the best site, but the only site uh, and, uh, um, and, 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 and done so in such a way and cited in such a way to make sure that we meet all of the requirements of the zoning bylaw to the impact. The, I, I threw some pictures into the record mainly for the benefit of Mr. Berg because I know the, the, the zoning board has had the opportunity to drive down Nassau Ahmed Road. I know all the abutters live there. Uh, I know, you know, um, um, the, the picture on the left is the view from the beginning of Nassau Ahmed Road. And you can't see the, uh, um, uh, the tower, but you can see existing utility structures. Uh, for, uh, the, set, the middle photo is taken from the, the easement over um, the abutting property. Again, substantial utility structures. The last photo is uh, taken from the gun, uh, the Fish and Game Association back towards Nasa Ahmed Road. You can see the house in the distance, uh, but you see the, uh, the, the utility structures that are already there. So th the facility that we're developing is no different than that, but it's actually better. We, we take up a very small footprint, 60 by 60. It's unmanned, it's passive. There's no noise, smoke, odors, anything that would have any impact on a residential neighborhood. They're not gonna see it, they're not gonna hear it or smell it or, or notice it in any way. Um, the, um, the only impact to neighbors will be a very short construction uh, activity and we can work with neighbors. Uh, we can say, we'll only do construction during business hours, we'll, only, we'll notify them in advance. Um, the day we get the building permit, we'll notify the neighbors that we'll be commencing construction. We can provide you know, all kinds of reasonable things in that regard to uh, uh, alleviate their suggestions. There's no deed restrictions on the Fishing Games Association's um, deed. They can do whatever they want, uh, subject to all of the land use regulations, but they could construct a building, they could uh, do other construction, they'd have to come to the town for all the requisite permits, they'd have to make sure they, they comply, but there's nothing stopping them from doing what they want. So, uh, uh, and, and um, just as the Fish and Game Association uh, lived through the construction of the residential subdivision, on their easement property, just the, uh, the, the neighbors will uh, have to uh, um, work with us in a very short construction period. We're talking a month over the grand scale of things, and then this facility will have no impact on them whatsoever. Uh, there, um, I threw in a bunch of maps. Uh, there's other facilities in town. There's one on Lincoln's Road that is in a residential zone, but it actually abuts the commercial zone. It doesn't meet the tower height setback requirement. There's I would venture to say hundreds of residential homes within very close proximity. It, it abuts, 
I'm not sure there's a big commercial development, I mean a condo development right next to the Lincoln Street Tower, which I think was built after the tower. And then there's another residential just on the other side of the, uh, um, uh, 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 the railroad tracks. Th that tower was built, uh, there's no vegetative buffer, there's no camouflage, and the town of Canton um, enjoys the coverage from it. It, you know, it, uh, um, there's, um, um, you know, it has far greater impact on residences, none of whom have complained, but all enjoy the coverage and the service that uh, Verizon and the other telecommunication companies provide. Similarly, Oakland Street, uh, 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 and I just picked out the two towers closest to um, the tower in, um, you know, um, um, to the uh, Nassau Ahmed Road site. Uh, you know, there's um, dozens of residential properties within proximity of that. That was done on a much smaller lot. Uh, um, uh, I'll admit it, it's an industrial zone lot, but it's closer to residential properties than the sites that, that we're proposing on Nassau Ahmed Road. Uh, there's a site, I, I don't know if it's called Pecunic Street because it's the golf course property. Uh, there's a tower right behind houses that were built along Dedham Street. And the tower was there, and then the, the, the uh, I believe that the, uh, the golf course subdivided the property and sold three houses with the tower as close as you could possibly get. And uh, um, the town allowed that, the golf course allowed that. Uh, you know, it's, um, we live in a very civilized society in a well-developed town, uh, um, and, a, and a beautiful town nonetheless. Mr. Bird made a point of insulting the town by saying that it must be an industrial wasteland covered with industrial metal because there's so many existing towers and uh, 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 antenna facilities in town. I actually find Canton to be a very beautiful town and, uh, and, we, uh, and throughout the process, we have tried very hard to respect that. Um, um, th um, there's clearly a gap in coverage. We submitted substantial testimony at the initial application. C squared has provided that same report in this town many times uh, because they do work for Verizon and AT&T and other telecommunications companies. Uh, uh, C-squared has produced that same report in hundreds of communities throughout all of New England. Uh, they've, uh, um, um, they have very sophisticated uh, propagation models. They've pro uh, um, tweaked it over time as more and more data. There's clearly a... Uh, um, um, a gap in coverage. It was supported by the data, uh, uh, and and if Mr. If you'd like me to go into more detail, Mr. Um, uh, Lavin is here to, to talk about that. He has appeared in front of many many towns and in federal courts that have reviewed the same data. Uh, um, that uh, the, the town zoning bylaw, mass law, nobody requires that we submit drive test data, and the reason is is because drive test data is of limited value. It means you get service in your car. Our computer softwares try to predict, do you have service in your building, in your residence, in your basement? And uh, the software that uh, um, C-squared uses on behalf of Verizon is very sophisticated. It takes into account all of the topography and terrain. Uh, they, uh, it's been very uh, heavily scrutinized and, and generally accepted. Uh, there was some question as to whether or not, um, and, and you know, actually, the, the, we submitted a 30-page report at the beginning of the, uh, the process clearly showing a gap in coverage. Um, and to be fair, um, there's some gap in Canton and there's some gap in Sharon. And, um, and you can't see, because wireless doesn't respect jurisdictional boundaries, we do the best we can to cite it in the most appropriate location. Uh, uh, we spent a lot of time looking in Sharon. 
uh, because there's some benefit to Sharon. There's some benefit to Canton as well. Uh, but, uh, um, and one of the things, um, one of the um, um, gentlemen that spoke at the last hearing, uh, Mr. Riot, I believe, um, said that if you go on the Verizon website, they, um, um, they're showing coverage in this area. Well, they're really not if you study the maps. Uh, they're, they're showing that we have some carriage coverage in the um, central and uh, southeastern part of Canton based on existing facilities, but the coverage clearly drops off as you go farther south um, west into Sharon. Um, and two, um, their website clearly has, I circled it, disclaimers. And when you go on the disclaimer, they basically say, we use these websites for marketing purposes. It's really the coverage you get if you're walking down the street without any kind of structural impediment, uh, um, uh, 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 without factoring in loading, meaning the number of people that are using it in the area. This map is not a guarantee of coverage, contains no areas and no service, and may not reflect actual customer performance. Actual coverage may vary. There's an immense amount of disclaimers. They do it for marketing purposes. It's not. Um, RF testimony, it's, uh, it's been scrutinized uh, by federal courts routinely, and it's not sufficient evidence for boards to um, say there's a lack of coverage based on, on these coverage maps. Uh, the, the maps that uh, C squared has provided are very, uh, uh, are very much more sophisticated and much more valuable. Um, there was also a lot of chatter that um, we haven't explored all of the um, potential alternatives. Uh, um, there was some question as to whether or not we had looked at all the land in the industrial zone. And we clearly have. And those that know um, Canton and Sharon know that um, th uh, the, the nearest industrial zones are, there's one, actually, that the subject property is right down here on the Canton-Sharon border. There's an industrial zone right here. There's an industrial zone to the, um, um, the east, uh, right along the railroad tracks. There's already an existing Verizon tower there. Um, 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 uh, there's an industrial zone up Neponset Street um, that um, is undevelopable wetlands or has been so highly developed with a huge residential parcel that there's no ability to put wireless telecommunications. We've had substantial discussions with, and uh, <coughs> Mr. Um, Kelleher's report showed us that the, the plaza uh, where the Shaw's is is very highly developed. There was no room for um, additional development based on all the parking, all the wetlands restrictions. Uh, the plaza in the front where the, the Starbucks is, and there's a gas station right at 1 Washington Street, that's completely overdeveloped to the point where there's no room for other uh, types of facilities. Um, we spoke to, and it was in Mr. Kelleher's initial report, um, <coughs> the, the landowners underneath the power line easement to see if we could put antennas on and um, it's not Verizon's first choice because of all the the operational difficulties with respect to the uh, um, use of power line facilities but the landowners weren't interested either the the people that own the plaza the people that actually own the the uh, the land underneath the power line easement right behind Nasa Ahmed Road we spoke with them as well and uh, they weren't interested in leasing the land so Verizon doesn't want it the landowners don't want it. It's not a viable alternative. So there's no industrial land in this area that would satisfy the coverage objective. Uh, <coughs> um, and we submitted lots of maps to show, you know, that the lands are wet or... Um, I'm sorry. Uh, so if Excuse me. In, in, in 
excuse me. Excuse me. Sir, sir, you're out of order. You're out of order. Sir, if you do not stop, I'm going to ask you to leave. If you do not leave, I'll have you removed. It's inappropriate for you to interfere at this point in time. I am telling you it is inappropriate for you to interfere at this time. Um, um, there were websites that were brought up by, the, um, um, by some consultants representing the, uh, the, uh, the abutters that you can say that there's many existing uh, telecommunication sites in um, Canton already uh, and that we haven't explored them. Um, and to be honest, there are lots of telecommunication sites in Canton. This is a list that we, I just threw into the record uh, with all the sites that were identified by the abutters. They are either, um, a lot of them were duplicative. Uh, I was kind of surprised by the RF engineer that uh, the, um, that uh, allegedly represented the uh, abutters, although had never been to Canton, because he listed the same site multiple times. And then in addition, he didn't already ascertain that Verizon was already on those sites. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I understand, I just, uh, uh, just want to make sure. Uh, to be fair, sir, yes. I fully expect that this will be going to litigation. So it's my goal to make sure that the record is complete. I understand. Uh, 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 and I, and that, uh, uh, I know the board has been very patient. It's just, I just gotta make sure the record is complete. So there's, uh, you know, all of the sites that were identified on the antenna search website were explored by Verizon, uh, and they were either there or they were too far away. Some of the sites that they raised were three miles away and were on the other side of existing sites from Verizon. Uh, you're exactly right. There's lots of antenna locations in town, and uh, uh, we and and we didn't have that in the original record because a lot of it was obvious. If Verizon's already there, they don't need to be on the same site. But uh, because people uh, uh, produce database analysis. We needed to make sure. So this is just a chart showing all the sites that we originally looked at, which are really the power line structures closest to the abutters. Um, the, um, all the other antenna and tower sites identified, and then finally all the industrial land that is just not suitable for um, this type of facility. Um, the last thing that um, people asked us was, why can't you go into Sharon? And it's really easy it, uh, uh, if you look at uh, maps of Sharon. Um, the land just over the town line from Canton into Sharon is all wet land owned by the town of Sharon and under conservation restriction. There's huge parcels in between this. Uh, there's actually a parcel in Canton and then also a parcel, uh, uh, then multiple parcels in Sharon that are just undevelopable wetlands that are landlocked, conservation restriction. They're just not appropriate for these type of facilities. Uh, and then there was also another large track of area that we've been working on for years, which is south of Route 27, um, but in between um, the Canton Line and downtown Sharon, that again is land that's undeveloped wetlands owned by the town of Sharon, landlocked, subject to conservation easement. And there was actually another um, Fish and Game Association, the Massapog Sportsman's Club, that we had substantial uh, discussions with. But again, uh, we couldn't find an appropriate location on that land because of wetlands, the, the direction of their firing range, and uh, other safety issues. And, uh, uh, and uh, a tower on that would have been far closer to residential development in Sharon. So we feel like we've done 
um, um, ample research to make sure that this is the only viable site in town and uh, uh, and quite confident of that. Uh, the, the rest of the PowerPoint presentation is the stuff that we had talked about previously, uh, and this is all duplicative. Um, we believe that the uh, uh, site meets all the requirements of the siting criteria for the zoning bylaw, um, uh, with the exception of the permitted zone. Uh, we meet all the required setbacks, all the height restrictions, um, uh, all the visibility limitations. It requires us to be as least visible as possible, and we've picked a site that clearly is least visible as possible. And even though it's in a residential zone, the undeveloped nature of the parcel and the subject and the surrounding parcels make it the uh, um, fully compliant with the town zoning bylaw. Um, I submitted a very long memo at the beginning showing that we meet all the requirements for a mass general law variance, that, uh, that the topography, this particular site, relative to other land use, other um, restrictions in the zoning bylaw, the telecommunications technology, the limited area that we can go in, uh, clearly creates the hardship that we need to satisfy under mass law. Uh, um, you know, it's, um, and, and I know the board understands this because they've granted use variances for similar facilities in other instances. We clearly meet all of the uh, uh, requirements for a special permit to the extent the board de deems that necessary. Uh, uh, there's no impact on the neighborhood. There's certainly co substantial community benefit for both public safety and enhanced telecommunications. Uh, 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 we, you know, we meet the requirements of site plan approval as was um, evidenced by the town engineer's recommendation for approval and the planning board's recommendation for approval. And, uh, uh, and you know, the last thing I've got to say is uh, notwithstanding um, uh, Mr. Berg's memo, the Telecommunication Act does have some restrictions on this board's ability to act. And uh, 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 it, uh, there's ample case law. You can ask the town of Milton how they made out. Every one of the cases, and I don't want to say everyone, the, the vast majority in all the Massachusetts cases, but he's sort of citing cases from all over New York or whatever, but all the cases in, in Massachusetts uh, were the proper cases, and there are towers on those properties because uh, the uh, and so he was citing the law accurately, but then the town also found in favor of the telecommunication, or the federal courts all found in favor of the telecommunications company. So uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm trying to avoid litigation, and I'm trying to avoid litigation by making sure that the, the site act consultants and the radio frequency engineers pick the best sites, and they clearly have. Uh, um, this site has been on the table for a very long time, and. The only thing that's happened in Canton is that more people have bought cell phones, more public safety need, more um, development that impedes the ability to go elsewhere, and, uh, uh, and more land subject to conservation restrictions. So we truly believe that um, we've met all the siting criteria for uh, a telecommunications facility. We've met all the requirements for a variance. We've met all the requirements for a special permit. We've met all the requirements for site plan approval. And we would ask that this board approve the use variance uh, so that we can continue to move forward with the project. Thank you, Councillor. Ms. Matthews, you have the final word tonight. Thank you. Um, before I start, I would just like to um, remind the board that I represent um, Sophia Mason and her parents, uh, the Hennies, and that is all represented and who, who is here. Those are on the, I will say, the Sharon side of the property. 
I see here tonight that there are a number of people from the, as I understand that most of these people I have not met before, um, I haven't spoken to them, but they are from the Highland Street neighborhood, and I do believe that they want to be heard. That's going to be up to you, but I want to make it clear that I don't represent them, and so their voice and what their concerns are have not been part of my particular representations in the past. Um, first, I'd just like to thank you because we appreciate uh, the time you spent considering these issues. Thank you for um, taking the time to what I assume you've, even though it's difficult and I appreciate you're a volunteer board, to read and review all of the submissions that we have provided to the board in opposition to this project. Um, I will get into some substance of it, but first I would like to just identify or at least um, address um, Attorney Parisi's continued and constant um, criticism of Robert Berg, the attorney who has been uh, helping these petitioners in this case. They are very lucky to have received um, the help of someone who's very well experienced in this telecommunications field and a very experienced attorney. The fact that he doesn't happen to live in Canton, which I don't understand, I don't think Mr. Parisi either lives in Canton, should have any difference, uh, make any difference on the substance of the material he has submitted to you. He's provided you with very extensive analysis under case law. Um, that are, if I read them correctly, quite a few, they're based on Massachusetts cases. I'm not going to go through those. Uh, you, they're well versed in these uh, documents, but as you all know, these cases are extremely sp fact specific and none of them um, apply exactly to these circumstances. It's also somewhat troubling to hear Attorney Parisi talking about all the things Canton may have done in the past that, that, that are not allowing cell towers that were not um, within the range of the telecommunications bylaw. I don't know what happened in those cases. There are, I'm sure there were facts why they did that, but that is not any reason why the town should be ignoring this the uh, telecommunications bylaw in this particular position. Um, so we said we, we submitted um, a number of um, materials before. We did submit to you uh, the, another uh, opposition yesterday, followed by some information relating to the gap. Um, that is, that is, that we believe there is not a significant gap in the coverage. I do object to um, the submissions by Attorney Parisi tonight. Um, I, we did not receive those beforehand. I think um, Chairman Pando, you'd say one of the first things you said to me when we were here last time, I hope you submitted that and provided that to opposing counsel beforehand, and I always have, and I did this yesterday. There are a number of facts that they're trying they're submitting tonight um, that we haven't had the opportunity to review, to, to um, discuss, or to object to. Shocking that we were even here for half an hour tonight while well, you were hearing other matters, and Attorney Parisi did not have the um, did not provide me with a copy of that ahead of time. So I would ask that you. Um, I do object to those submissions at this point. There appear to be a lot of facts. It appears to be he's trying to put into the record things that were not adequately put into the record to begin with. I know it's still an open hearing, but that really goes to the gist of what one of our positions is. The application that was submitted by Vertex is and was incomplete. It did not provide the information about exploring alternate sites. It's easy for them to say tonight, oh, by the way, we did do that. We did look over there, and that wasn't practical, and we spoke to so-and-so, and that wasn't there. But th none of that information was in the petition that they submitted. There were no facts that addressed these particular alternate sites and the reasons why, and, the, and, and presented to you in the method that the bylaw requires that to occur. Now, 
A couple of issues that I will just raise, and I'm not going to go in depth again on the, on the title issue and the access issue. Mr. Attorney Parisi refers to it as a title issue. It's not really a title issue, although that's the backdrop of it. It's an access issue. And in the um, plan that was submitted by, the, uh, by Vertex, they refer to this easement as a access road. As I said before, they're the only ones who refer to that as an access road. They appear, they appear to acknowledge tonight that the way in which uh, the fish and game have the possibly legal right to go through up onto that property and through this property is not where Vertex is planning to go. They're saying, we are now, Fish and Game is going to drive over the front lawns of, of these people. It's going to drive over the back lawns of these people. You can't tell me this is a good neighbor. If they have not utilized these rights of way before, it's not even a right of way, it's a right to use. They would have, there is nothing that they have provided to the board to show that they have a legal right to access to this property. It is, the burden is on them to do that. The, um, the fire, if you look at the fire chief's, um, letter, I don't have that with me tonight, I didn't know he was going to be addressing it again, but there's a line in there saying, provided we have access to go in there. That's when the, the approval was granted. Um, Tom Houston, the PSC's report said, this is that there is access on that. They also make the issue of this health issue. We can all agree, and there may be many people here, including board members, who have a personal belief that health is a concern with these telecommunications towers. Unfortunately, that is not the strongest argument, or in a lot of cases, um, a viable argument. One of the reasons is that the the FCC has established, as long as whatever the health issues are within a parameter, that no one can challenge those. We are not basing our challenge on that. It's easy to muddy it and to allege that we are, because that's, that's an easy one to say, don't bother, don't listen, because you're not going to get anywhere on that. Well, that's why we were very careful, and we had the ability to get the um, expertise from a telecommunications attorney who could explain to uh, these abutters what were the differences and what they are. And when you do look at those, and I believe that our submissions have provided to you, that they have not provided that there's a significant gap in coverage. And the gap in coverage doesn't mean they want to streamline stronger or they want to advertise that they have better services. It really means are there drop calls. And there has been nothing that we believe um, that has been submitted that supports that position. And in effect, we have, we have provided other information that does not. Now again, as it's interesting to see, Attorney Parisi says, yes, this is in the marketing material of these uh, telecommunications companies. That is correct, and that's what was available to, the, to these people. Now, whether or not how valuable that's going to be and how much weight it's going to have a piece of evidence in court, I really can't say that, but to then say, we present this to the public, and this is what is going on there, but look at our disclaimer, because we really don't mean it, we just mean to, to sell it to you. Um, on the alternate sites, I've raised that with you, that there is really, they're throwing these representations in by council tonight that, yeah, we did that. We forgot to tell you that before, and it's not included in our application. We think that that's proof that their application is insufficient. Um, The, the um, conclusion of it, and I would hope that you would hear from, I know that you had said that it was going to be by two council. I think that it's important that you do hear from other abutters that are citizens of the town of Canton that want to be heard. We think it's pretty simple. It's not muddying about, you know, saying to the, saying to the board, 
you've done it before, other cities and towns do it. If you really look and you want to have this legal discussion about these cases and when the boards are overturned, don't want to put the burden uh, too much on the, on the board, but it is when you read them that one, the um, citizens of those towns did not have the opportunity, they didn't have either the funds or the time to get the expertise that they needed in this. When you really look at it, Vertex has talked about, we've done this for five years. They submitted the application in October. It's significant, it's lengthy, it's technical, it's scientific. The abutters had at best a month, a month to be able to go through this, retain counsel that has the knowledge in this area and produce the, the information for it. So you can see why in some of these decisions that there was not the adequate information in there for the town to survive in these. Similarly, without, uh, in a lot of boards, we're lucky we have a variety of experienced people on our boards, but some of these other boards, they're not experienced. They don't have legal, they have legal counsel, but not on their boards. And when you look at the decisions and you look at why the um, boards decisions were overturned, it was based upon the fact that the decisions themselves made did not have the adequate information. They were based on something like health, which you didn't have the right to do that. It didn't have the other factors. We think that we've been lucky to bring to you, in this case, significant um, factors in legal analysis that gives you the base for doing that. So we would, um, just in conclusion for my um, Clients, I'd like to say we think that we've given you the information that you need. We don't think that the Vertex has met its burden of proof that they have to under these circumstances, and we would ask that you um, deny the, the special permit, in particular the variance, as far as having it use in all of these things. They have not provided you with the information that meets the standards for you to issue a, a variance where your bylaw specifically says that these cell telecommunications towers are not allowed in a residential area. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Matthews. <clears throat> I know there are a lot of uh, residents here. We have, uh, I'm going to state that we're going to go on the record that we have correspondence uh, from um, several residents in the Highland Street area um, standing uniformly in, a, in opposition to um, the issuance of this permit and uh, that is uh, made part of the record. Um, I'm going to make this very simple. Is I'm going to ask for a, um, a show of hands vote. Um, is there anyone in the hall uh, other than the applicant uh, and his uh, uh, people that is in support uh, of this application by Vertex, show of hands. Uh, let it be recorded that there is no one in support that is in this hall. Is there anyone sitting in this hall that is in opposition to this application by Vertex? I'll let it be shown, well, almost unanimous. It's uh, definitely, uh, uh, maybe eight out of 10, a few abstentions. Uh, it clearly, it is clearly a case where um, uh, everyone in the area, uh, both in Canton and Sharon, is in opposition to uh, the issuance of a variance or the construction of this uh, tower. Uh, so I think that uh, we certainly have enough evidence at this point and um, based on, on uh, the information that we have received, I am uh, hereby going to close uh, this hearing for public comment. Uh, and at this point in time, the board will enter into deliberations uh, on the facts before us.
Um, gentlemen, as a matter of record, I know that, uh, we have reviewed, uh, you've had the opportunity to review what has been presented by the applicant and uh, counsel for some abutters and uh, many individuals who spoke eloquently uh, over the past hearings. Uh, I know that uh, in reviewing the past information, this has gone to uh, Superior Court in the past on the exact same site uh, and anticipating a very difficult situation I did avail myself of uh, discussions with Town Council. Uh, I know that I reached out and offered uh, the availability of Town Council to both of you. I don't know whether or not you um, did so. Um, and now, I haven't uh, certainly discussed any of this with you uh, outside of the confines of this hearing and in uh, public meeting law. So, based on that, we're, uh, we're uh, and based on my opinions and discussions with uh, town council, um, and by my own personal review of the uh, facts and the history on this site, uh, it will very likely uh, uh, end up in litigation. Uh, but irrespective of that, uh, I, I think that based on my history of sitting on uh, these Telecommunication Act towers, that uh, the applicant has in fact met the burden of proof and uh, for uh, under the Telecommunications Act and the and the um, requirements of our statute and bylaw. Um, and at this uh, point in time, uh, it, it is in my opinion that uh, we should be issuing the variance and special permit. Um, Mr. McCourt, any thoughts? Mr. Chairman, this has been one difficult case. Yep. That I will say. Um, in going over this case, I have been just about everywhere I could be in Sharon and Canton and the surrounding areas and doing my old self-test of radio frequencies. But then I researched my test with the cell phone is useless because it's stated that I could sit next to Mr. Corey and have four bars and he could have two in the same car. However, in doing so, um, I never received over two bars anywhere, pretty much except Canton Center, which I thought was really kind of weird on my phone. So either I have a lousy phone or something else is going on. Um, but I was uh, compelled with, uh, once again, when you see all the people opposed in the neighborhood and getting correspondence around the neighborhood, you're compelled to say what's going on, you know, what can we do? Uh, and that really weighs a lot on me. And then I went back and I started really digging into uh, the petitioner's reports. Um, and I did read a lot of them, sir. I did, and I especially was interested in the, the, the coverage map. And in doing so, I also went to the FCC map. And it was funny that the last two polls in the recent vicinity that are on the FCC regulations, one's at this site that's recorded on a website, which I thought that was really strange because there isn't one there and one's in Stoughton. And then I went and with the building department help, I went back into 2000 and I brought up that decision. And I talked to a person that was involved in that case at the same time uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. 
And in the process, the same arguments come out. They kept coming out is that it's a health issue. The health issue, it's going to be an eyesore in my backyard, and we're concerned about this tower. The same exact arguments were in 2000 that are in today. And in the case, it was denied. In all the litigation, the stuff the town went through, and it came back and they approved the cell tower. Why it was never built is beyond my belief, why they didn't build it. Then it was the visual effect of the cell tower I was concerned with, because I said, well, how's this thing going to look in the backyard? And I went to other cell towers in my community, one's in my neighborhood, right? Two blocks away in my neighborhood on Denham Street. One that's been mentioned tonight is on Lincoln Street. That's approximately 120 feet from houses. The brand new development with million dollar condos in there and no one seemed to care about the cell tower. And I didn't even really know it was there until I got out of Spring Lane, went down Chapman Street, and I looked up in the sky and there's that cell tower. And boy, was it big. It was out there in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, well, how many times, and I've lived in Canton every day of my life, how many times I go down that street and not see that cell tower? No, no, I'm saying that, sir. Right? This meeting is closed for public comment, sir. So in the process of all that, I'm not going to remind you again. So in the process of going through all this and looking at the litigation and looking at the failed litigation under uh, 1.2, under three things in this bylaw, and I don't see a lot that's changed on that site. I don't see a lot that's changed in that area. About the, the RF frequencies bottom, we can't do anything because of telecommunication. We have, this board has approved cell towers in residential areas in the past. It was approved on this site in 2000. It was fought in 2000, 2001, and came back. My, we have approval from the planning board. They did a balloon test. I was looking at the balloon test pictures, and I couldn't see the balloon. So that was concerning to me. I'm like, where's the balloon? And then in the 2000 decision, they did a flag test, and they put a flag in all this area. And the only place I could see the actual flag was on the top of, of 27, there was a little area. And then at the mall, you could see it pretty much open. High Street area, you couldn't see anything. So the visual effect of the cell tower seems minimal, especially where we have high tension towers in the area. The planning board voted four to one. I got a voicemail from the chairman of the of the planning board of why she was basically concerned about the neighbor's opposition. And four others went to the balloon test. The peer review, which we use all the time by Mr. Houston, came back with everything answered. The police and fire department have approved this. And um, I, I haven't heard from town council because I wasn't going to call town council myself because I was waiting to hear from you. But with all said and thing, I don't think it's advantageous for us not to go forward and vote for this simply because the litigation is going to cost our town a lot of money, and I don't think we have a chance of winning, personally, but I'd like to hear your correspondence with town council and see if I can be persuaded otherwise. Other than that, um, yeah. thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. McCourt. Mr. Corey. Uh, Mr. Chair, I... Um, I did spend a lot of time talking to town council and I've plowed through uh, the applicants' uh, materials, abutters materials, and I agree, Mr. Parisi, Ms. Matthews, we don't have the right to consider 
the health aspects of, uh, of this. The FCC has taken that out of our, uh, out of our purview, um, the, uh, the greater good of uh, whatever. The federal government has decided what's good for all of us. Um, but then this is, this is how I've kind of framed this. Absent the 1996 uh, Telecommunications Act, there would be no right for a use variance at this property. The, um, the, the Canton Fish and Game Club couldn't, this is, this is in a residential zone, they couldn't get a use other than residential or as permitted, a variance um, uh, from the uh, designated uses absent the Telecommunications Act. And after a lengthy discussion with town council, they said that the Telecommunications Act says that you look first to see whether a, a variance is allowed. Use variances are permitted in the town of Canton per our bylaw in extreme circumstances. But then you go to the next, and you, the, uh, under the Telecommunications Act, if there is a need that is shown then uh, as to lack of coverage, then it can be allowed and a use variance should issue. Um, the applicant proffered a good deal of evidence and the need for its application. The opponents have also raised uh, material questions as to whether there actually is a need. Um, and they don't have, these are, these are folks in a residential neighborhood, they don't have access to telecommunications engineers with that kind of expertise. Uh, in discussions with the town council, they said if the need isn't there, then it should not be allowed. The use variance should not issue. Um, and on that basis, as, as uh, the chairman said at the beginning, we should have had a, um, our own peer review engineer uh, with specialty in telecom um, analyze whether there is a need or not. Um, and I'm disappointed that it went all the way through the planning board with Mr. Houston and PSC as a peer review engineer. He has no experience. He, he, we always analyze traffic and stormwater and environmental issues. And we go, and then, you know, those, those don't present, those, are, those are, have nothing to do, and Mr. Houston has no expertise on uh, radio frequency signals and the like. He can't weigh in on that. And we don't have that. And town council said we should have asked for that at the beginning. This process is flawed in that we didn't request that at the beginning. And had this, this matter come before us and then get kicked over to the planning board, we would have had that. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm, I, I've done the same thing that Mr. McCord's done. I've driven back and forth. But what do I know? I mean, my phone is glitchy at times. I can't say it. And to ask me to weigh in based on what you guys have presented and what the applicant has presented would be stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about. We need an expert. If we got that expert, and it's very simple, if that expert says, yes, under the Telecommunications Act, there is a need, um, we have to issue the variance. If he says there isn't, then we don't. And that, that is basically it. And we've, the whole process was, was screwed up. And I'm disappointed that. Now, there are, as to the prior, um, as to the prior uh, permits that were allowed, 
a number of the uh, locations that the applicant cited, houses were built after the, after the, uh, um, uh, the uh, cell towers were uh, constructed. Also, if there is a, if there is a, um, uh, if there was a, you know, a, pro a process mistake, which I think we've done repeatedly. I, this has never come up before this board when I was on it. I want to fix that. And what I'd like to do is ask the applicant if we can en engage a, a peer review engineer specifically to look as to whether there is a need under the Telecommunications Act. Uh, if there is, we have no discretion. We have to issue the variance. Um, I, that request is out of order, Mr. Corey. We close the hearing and... Um, okay, well, that's, that's a problem. Yep. And without that, I can't make a determination as to need. I'm not qualified. And I shouldn't be asked to do it. We need a qualified person to tell us that. Absent that, that determination, not by an advocate for the, app, for the butters, for the applicant, for an, an unbiased engineering applicant, um, uh, an unbiased engineer with qualification, none of us know what we're talking None of the three of us, we just don't know. And I, it's, this is way too important. We shouldn't be giving out use variances unless it's absolutely critical. Facts. Order. And, and I just, and I'm asking if we can do that, it, it would be a hell of a lot cheaper to go for, to get that way, to get that um, opinion from an unbiased, independent peer review engineer, um, rather than to weigh in one way or the other and send, send these folks into litigation with each other. And I, I, I am really disappointed that, you know, if we're, if we're locked out of doing that by, by virtue of process, that's, that's a shame well, because me, it's not me, doing it the right way. Well, let me mind. suggest to you, Mr. Corey, that, uh, that this is going to litigation either way. Yes, but, if we, but as the applicant said, if so we establish a record yeah. uh, and, a, and a good basis for what, why we w um, voted one way or the other, it's, it, it is, I don't want this to get kicked back by saying we didn't do enough to find uh, need. There wasn't an analysis of need because there's a whole bunch of noise about um, access and, and um, easement rights. It all goes to whether there is sufficient need under the Telecommunications Act. If it's, if it's there, we don't, have any, um, we don't have any leeway. If it's not there, we do. And that's my view. I, I can't, right. in good conscience, vote for it without that determination. Nope. And that's after lengthy discussions. Well, and town council said it was a mistake not to do that at the, at the beginning. And we shouldn't not fix our mistake um, because, you know, we've just gone too far down the road. All right. So be it. Uh, I would uh, that was appreciate a your opinion. Argument. It's in my mind. It's pretty simple, Jr. I just it's yep. got to there's got to be okay. a finding of need, and I can't make it without. Okay. I would entertain a motion, uh, Mr. McCourt. Mr. Chairman, on petition of Vertex Towers Assets LLC, Canton Fish and Game Associate, Inc., special permit and or variance, if necessary, I requested on the applicable provisions of the Canton zoning bylaws for relief to install a wireless telephone. I make a motion that we uh, approve the variance and or special, um, permit. special permit for the cell tower on the site at 
25 Naza Ahmed Road, Canton, Mass. So moved. Motion has been made. And do I hear a second? No, not without this. Uh, no, chair without will second. Yeah. Motion has been made and seconded. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. Mr. McCourt. Nay. Mr. McCourt is a nay. Mr. Corey. Nay. Mr. Corey is a nay. The chair is an aye. Two opposed, uh, one uh, in favor. The motion fails. This case hearing is closed. You have to, we have to have a decision in writing. Get that of jerk all the out of my town. Twenty-one days. I don't know who he is, but get is him this, out. Is this not good to say something? other business for this evening uh, mr. McCourt we have minutes Yes, Mr. Chairman, I uh, make a motion that we approve the minutes for January 12, 2023. So moved. Motion has been made. Seconded. Seconded to approve the minutes of the 12th. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Unanimous. Um, I entertain a motion to adjourn. Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to adjourn at 7:38. So moved. Motion has been seconded. And seconded to adjourn at 7:38. Uh, we are adjourned. We will see you all again on February 9th. Good night, everyone.